adventure is about finding the edge of your comfort zone. Welcome to Get Outside, the survival edition, brought to you by Ordnance Survey. So I lowered myself into a snow-filled gully and, and did an ice axe arrest down 400 foot. In it, adventurer, mountaineer and Get Outside champion David Love shares key survival skills. Survival is a completely different mindset to, say, bushcraft. It really is to get yourself out of there as quickly as possible. We take wild camping newbie Leslie on a wilderness sleepover. I haven't walked this far with carrying my stuff, so that was quite a challenge. Consider some pretty big questions. When you fail at something, it's down to you to pick yourself up and have another go. Eat some things we really, really wish we hadn't. Don't spit it out, don't spit it out, just keep chewing. That is absolutely horrible. And share the simple steps that could see you having a get outside survival adventure all of your own. The first thing you need to do is make a decision that you want to go wild camping. And do you think, Leslie, you'll do this again? Definitely. Are you glad you did it? Oh yes, so definitely do it again. This country has so much to offer as well and it'd be really nice to see as much of it as I can. For outdoors information and inspiration, head to getoutside.uk and stay with us for Get Outside, the survival edition with David Love. So it's been a lovely old drive up across the moor. A few bits of bluebell woods, but mostly just wide sweeps of honey-coloured open moorland but we're getting near our destination the place where we're going to park up and get ready to meet David so David hello good to see you hi Belle how are you not at all bad then David this is Leslie hi hello, Leslie David. how are you doing yeah, how nice are to you meet doing? you and Leslie tonight for the first time you are going to be wild camping. What on earth do you think about that? I am very excited and slightly worried. <laughs> Why worried? The, um, the toileting procedures. <laughs> Which actually is always what everybody's thinking. Oh. But I promise you, we're going to cover the toileting procedures. Oh, right. That, that's, that's fine then. Yes. Right. So we've got the... The OS map on the bonnet of David's vehicle. If someone's thinking of going on a little wild camp, what sorts of things are you looking out for when you're planning that? Well, we're here at Meldon Reservoir, and firstly, you need to work out how far you can go with the amount of time left. So today it's nearly four o'clock already, so we're not going to be able to go very far before it's night time. We need to start thinking about food and shelter and getting our heads down. So we're looking at a spot here which is open access land for a start, which is the orangey colour on an OS map. And the things you want to be looking at is firstly the amount of contours that you'll be going up because that adds time onto your journey. So if you want a nice easy walk, try not to cross too many contours. And what we'd like to do is find somewhere that's quite sheltered, away from the wind, out of the exposure, but also somewhere close to running water as well. You do need to research into the bylaws of the area that you're going to. So for example, we're on Dartmoor, which doesn't allow you to have ground fires. So we've got 
stoves with us that allow us to keep within the bylaws of the area that you're going to but the problem with wild camping is that there are a lot of landowners and actually the easiest way to get around that problem is like you say speak to the landowner because they're usually really accommodating and just allow you to to wild camp and for Dartmoor really the best thing is to check the Dartmoor National Parks website for its instructions on backpack camping it's also got an interactive camping map which shows exactly where you can camp and where you can't you can find that on their website or if you head to getoutside.uk and look for the two blondes post on wild camping on Dartmoor that's got all the information you need and remember you also can't camp within 100 meters of a road within sights of roads or houses in enclosed moorland or on farmland and archaeological sites or in reservoir catchment areas. David, tell us more. Tell us more about yourself. I'm David Love. I'm an adventurer and expedition leader and I'm also a survival instructor as well and I'm a, a qualified Bear grill survival instructor actually and we're going out today to practice a few of those skills such as the ability to create shelter, to collect and filter and make water safe uh, for drinking and cooking with. Then we're going to cook a bit of food and then we're going to look at some different rescue techniques as well. Rescue techniques? Mm, that's the fourth priority of uh, survival is rescue. <laughs> that is just gorgeously squelchy. Do you know about sphagnum moss? So sphagnum moss can hold uh, a significant amount of water and they used to use it in World War One as a, an emergency field dressing when they ran out of field dressings because it's also antiseptic. So you, you have a load of sphagnum moss, squeeze all the fluid out of it and place it over a wound and it absorbs, absorbs the blood just like a, a field dressing would but it also has antiseptic properties which is great. And usually you find it growing in, in large batches so we'll definitely come across those when we get to the boggy areas. What do you think of that, Leslie? Well, it's just beautiful, isn't it? A good waterfall. Is that you? A cuckoo. I'm overwhelmed. A cuckoo, a waterfall. Oh, what a treat. I hope you don't mind mentioning, you're not particularly young. Are you? You're I'm not particularly young or particularly athletic. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're 59. Yes. You have type 1 diabetes, which you've had for 50 years. Yep. Registered partially sighted, is that right? Yes, I am. Apart from that, you're fighting fit. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> and the reason I mention all that, it, your challenge is different for different people, isn't it? It is, yes, because I have to think about what I bring with me if I'm going out camping or doing a long trek or anything like that or doing a long swim, I need to make sure that I've got plenty of sugar in case of low blood sugars. And I have to remember to bring my insulin pens and my needles and my blood test kit and all that stuff. Still, this is something you, you want to do in yeah. terms of this, it's almost like the benefits of being outside outweigh the, the faff, as it were. Absolutely. And the benefits of being outside, one of them is keeping healthy and keeping a healthy mind and body. What have you got there, David? So these are um, kind of nodules on, uh, on an oak tree and these are created by a type of wasp and uh, they lay their egg inside a bud yep. um, of an oak tree and inside there there'll be a uh, wasp larvae. Oh, wow. so you've broken it open. There's a wasp larvae there. 
like a little tiny kind of grub yeah. bug thing. Would you like to eat it? Not really. Can you? You can eat these, yeah. It's, uh, what does it taste like? They're a bit creamy. Doesn't very sting. Exceptionally high in protein and high in good fats. Okay, here we go. What does it taste like? Oh. Oh! It's a little disconcerting. It's really, really soft and then it almost dis completely disintegrates, but there's a really core of it which is not disintegrating at all. <laughs> He's grinning. He's just giving me something inedible. <laughs> you can absolutely eat them. Do you know what? I feel I've got so much protein in me now, I can carry on walking. So we've been walking, I don't know, about an hour and a half. And David, tell us where we are. So we've just entered into Blackator Copse, which is a ancient oak woodland. And uh, yeah, it's probably one of my favorite spots in Dartmoor, just because it's so interesting and so varied in here, you know, with the, with the boulder landscape and all the moss growing on the boulders, all the trees that are really small and they're, they're covered in lichen and mosses as well. It just makes it really interesting and quite picturesque to look at absolutely beautiful we thought it might be a bit magical a bit hobbity what do you think of we're not going to camp in it but just slightly out the other side but what do you think of your your home for the night leslie it's beautiful does it's it like, suit it's like a fairy grotto <laughs> yes it does suit So we've got to obviously where we're going to camp tonight and we've done the first priority of survival which is shelter and we've placed up our tents which is excellent and uh, our sleeping bags are all out with the roll mats so that's good. So the second priority of survival is water. The first thing you want to do when you collect water is filter it from lots of different sorts of contaminants. One thing we can do is use some natural materials like cotton or cotton cloth like we've got here and it's quite a close weave as well. So what we can do is we can collect water and we can, from a fast flowing area of the river and then place it into, uh, into another container filtering it through the cotton uh, cloth and that should take out all the particulates, anything that's floating in the water but it won't get thing, rid of things like bacteria or protobacteria. That will only come when we actually start to boil the water itself. And you've kindly volunteered. <laughs> to yes. do this carefully without falling in without falling in so it's actually quite clean anyway this water but we're still going to pass it through the through the cloth that's a, a full cup there so what we can do now is take the cloth off that would have caught any uh, particulates in the water teamwork leslie how are you enjoying that oh, absolutely yeah it's not quite the same as the tap on at home, is it? No, it's much nicer. So we're preparing to put the dinner on, as it were. We've walked for an hour and a half. We're in Dartmoor. It's mild. I imagine this is quite a world away from some of the times when you've been preparing to put the dinner on on some of your adventures. Does any spring to mind? My last expedition was in, was in the Gambia when I was circumnavigating it. And we would just travel around to, uh, to a village and stop two or three hours before daylight had, uh, had gone. And, uh, and we, went, we were going around and collecting all the nice dry bits of wood because it was all really sun-dried there. So it was all nice and easy to burn. And, uh, and we, would just, we would just sit up by the River Gambia um, and we would, we would just put the Kelly kettle on and uh, get a pot of boiling water and uh, make a tea and drink it by, uh, by the Gambia and watch the sunset. And it, was, it was really great, actually. And that's half a world away from Dartmoor, but in a funny way, there's something quite similar, perhaps. A lot of expeditions are escapism. 
certainly the ones I go on I, I do for enjoyment as well as you, you can do things like charitable aims and, and, and that's why we were going around there actually was to uh, to take some medical aid around to the locals in the Gambia. It was me and a friend and we were travelling around and it was just it was really nice to be at one with you know just the countryside that you're in and, and putting the same basic principles that we're doing here today in Dartmoor but into practice in a, in a more wilder expedition but they are the same principles. Probably go and get our meals that we're going to place the water inside and get ready to eat food. Yep, and David, those rules on cooking and stoves will depend, of course, on where you are, but basically on Dartmoor, it's quite simple it's don't light fires and instead use those self contained mini backpacking stoves which you put on a stable rock. And of course, also, you need to be aware of the fire risks and any fire warnings that are in place. The fourth priority of survival is rescue. Survival is a, is a completely different mindset to, say, something like bushcraft, where you're actually enjoying the outdoors and, and living off the land through choice. When we talk about the priorities of survival, it, it really is to get yourself out of there as quickly as possible and try and conserve as much energy as possible. So having built your shelter and, uh, and found, your, found your water uh, and uh, eaten some food, the last thing you need to consider is how you're going to get yourself out of there and having a, having a rescue type of mentality. So as a bare minimum, you would take things like survival bags. That kind of, it sort of fits into shelter a little bit, but what they do, some of the survival bags, they're brightly coloured and you can use that to help attract attention to yourself. And also you need to kind of go downhill towards water. There's always usually people and footpaths around, around water sources. And actually one of, I can remember, it wasn't, I didn't get rescued, although I could have been, I could have used being get, getting rescued at the time actually. So when I was in the, the Transylvanian Alps, we, on my last day, we, I came face to face with a, a brown brown grizzly bear. I wasn't expecting it at all. Bears were meant to be hibernating in the winter and they only really come out if they're really hungry and it just happens this one, this one was out. And I was high on a ridge at the time. It was, a, it was kind of like a knife edge ridge and I could, so I couldn't go back the way I came and I couldn't go forward because that's where the bear was. And the only option I had was, um, was to slide down on my ice axe down the side of the ridge that I was on. So I lowered myself into a snow-filled gully and, and did an ice axe arrest down a 400-foot gully. And I thought, you know, at least, you know, that's even if I cause an avalanche, it'll be slightly better than being eaten by a bear. And uh, so that could have quite easily have gone wrong. And you know, I could have caught, I could have injured myself at that point. And you know, I'd have needed to consider how I was going to get rescued. So you have things on you like mobile, like phones if they've got reception. You can call people like have the telephone numbers for mountain rescue or local authorities. Uh, the international dialing code for any emergency is 112. That's really what rescue is about. It's about having that survival mentality and, and actually you're not there to live off the land and stay there as long as you can. You need to get out as safely as you can, as quickly as you can. Whenever I plan an expedition and I go through my packing list, it's the priorities of survival which I pack around. You know, anything over and above that is just a nice to have. There's something about David's manner now. I'm not <laughs> sure. Slightly nervous. Not, not nervous, sure what he's up to. I think it's right. a bit of no good. When we're out and, uh, and we're in a survival situation, we won't necessarily have things like boil in the bag or camp food, those sorts of things. But we can eat other stuff around us. And that starts with things like foraging for berries and fruits and plants. Gram for gram, 
The majority of these insects that we have in front of us here have more protein than steak. First one we've got here to try is one called a buffalo worm and they're about, they look like mealworms but they are, they're only about 8 to 10 millimetres long. I'm going to put one in your hand literally, or a couple anyway, I want to get a flavour. That's um, five. That's five, yep. And Bell, here's really? some for you. That's great, thank you so I'm, much. I'm These... going to have one as well. You're going to have one, are you? Yeah, you go first. Have, I've been eating them already, yeah. So give them a chew and see what you think. Oh, put a couple more in Bell, you can't get a good flavour, there you go. There we go. It's actually quite nice. <laughs> yeah. These taste like crisps. Yeah. Cheap, cheap crisps. Cheap, cheap stale crisps. <laughs> <laughs> they do taste like cheap stale crisps. Okay, so now we're going to move on to these, which are these are crickets actually. They they look completely like a dead cricket without no. any legs. Yeah, and that's what they are. Come on in. On three. We'll do it all together. Two, Two three. Three. Go. Mm. That was a vintage year, that one. So now we're going to move on to slightly, slightly more hardcore... What? <laughs> ...bugs. What? It's alive! Okay, so these are live grasshoppers. Okay, <laughs> and these, are quite, these are quite live and active ones, always trying to kick and, and get away. What we're going to do here is we're just going to grab the back legs, okay? And we're just going to grab the head, and we're just going to separate the head from the body, pulling out that brown stuff and discarding the head. Okay, and then we're just going to eat those. So there's your one, Bell. You ready? No. On. <laughs> we're going to do this one together. Okay. I can't. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Three, two, one, go. It, don't, don't spit it out. Don't spit it out. Just keep chewing. Keep chewing. That's horrible. That is absolutely horrible. Survival food isn't that tasty, but it does give you a lot of energy. So, David, you've done some challenging outdoorsy things. And here we are on a Friday night. You could be sitting at home with your feet up watching the telly or whatever, but you're not. We're in the middle of the moor, you know, about to kip in a tent. Why is it you do it? I suppose it's a strange feeling. I think there are, there are some people who enjoy this sort of thing and some people don't. You know, there's even research to suggest that there's an adventurer gene uh, that some people have and some people don't have and they enjoy you know, pushing the boundary of their comfort zone and you know that definitely resonates with me I love I love the challenge of seeing how I fare when I when I go and do something that I find challenging physically challenging and mentally challenging you know that's you know that's really where you discover stuff about yourself and you know, through that process, I've, I've definitely found that I enjoy this, this type of thing. If you do the same thing too often, you, it becomes comfortable. And, uh, and I don't like to do that necessarily. I, I try to look for what, what the next challenge is, what's, what's the next thing I can push myself to go and do to try and learn a bit more about myself and, and what I am and, and what I'm not capable of achieving. And that kind of resonates with, you know, you don't have to be successful all the time. If you were successful all the time, you wouldn't learn anything. So I quite enjoy failure. I'm quite used to it at times. When you fail at something, you know, it's down to you to pick yourself up and and have another go and learn from the mistakes of why you failed the first time round. And I think if you, if you just gave up, it would kind of, well, that, that's the answer about your character. And I think, you know, I'm definitely not the sort of person that will give up on something and I'll always go back. And I can remember the first time I tried to climb the Eiger 
and the Matterhorn. Both of the first times I tried to do that, I failed on both both attempts. But I learned so much in the process of doing that that when me and my climbing partner went back the following year, we were successful on both the Matterhorn and the Eiger. And it was only through that our first failure and determination to not give up and go back and give it another go that we, you know, we learned about ourselves, what we were and we weren't capable of, and uh, and actually how to be dedicated and, and do something that you love and believe in and that you that you think you can achieve. And I think challenges they're very different for different people, aren't they? Uh, yeah, of course. And they, it's the same really for people say, oh, what is adventure and what is adventurous and what isn't adventurous? And, and I'm of the absolute opinion that adventure is personal to each and every single individual. Adventure is about finding the edge of your comfort zone. And if that's climbing a tree and if that gets your heart racing and it makes you feel excited and puts a smile on your face and you hadn't done it before, you know, that, that is adventure. For you, David, walking here today, it's not a huge thing. But, Leslie, you've not done this before, have you? I hadn't walked this far with carrying my stuff, so that was quite a challenge. Didn't want anyone else to carry it. And you were very firm about that. Oh, yes. In fact, David got told to put that bag down. (laughs) (laughs) And he did. (laughs) That was part of the challenge for me. And I wanted to succeed, but actually it wouldn't have mattered if I'd failed either because I would have learnt from that. There's nothing wrong with failing. It's not a failure. If you try to do something and you fail to do it, that's fine. Failure is almost a privilege and it's only given to people who try. It's not something to be ashamed of. A lot of people, they're a little bit worried about going to the toilet. So (laughs) what should and shouldn't you do? What's the golden rules here? Speak. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose it is a bit of a... A taboo type subject I think. Yeah. Weeing is easier than, <laughs> than some other activities. Believe for blokes it's a, it's a very simple process, I won't go through it. Um, <laughs> however, there are things on the market like she wees and things that make it easier for, for females to do effectively the same thing and it's a good investment to uh, to get that early and have, have a go before you have to actually do it out in the wild to give it a practice. But moving on to a more solid type of activity, well, yeah, I mean, to have a poo in the wild, yeah, is a little bit, little bit of a logistical nightmare if you've not planned it properly. So in my bag, I always carry my poo bag, and a poo bag is effectively just a small stuff sack, very small stuff sack, which contains a small pack of tissues, a small pack of the wet wipes, and also some doggy bag. If you're going to do it and leave it, if that's what you've just decided to do, is to do it at least 50 metres away from a path where other people would cross and also any water source. And if you are going to do that, sort of place something over it like a rock or um, you can, if you're going to have a, a poo shovel, take that with you at least six inches down, do the business and then and then turf back over the top. It's not really a good thing to kind of leave tissues under the rocks. Same thing period basically take the stuff that you've brought with you bag it up and take it take it back i suppose the funniest experience i've had well i say funny wasn't funny for my climbing partner was when i was climbing up the eiger so i climbed up to my partner and i said to him look I, i just i can't hold it in any longer i definitely have to go but clearly i can't go sort of 50 meters off the path because it's like a knife edge ridge 
so what we had to do is we had to shorten the rope that we were on together and effectively uh, tie a sling between my harness and his harness and he held on to me and I held on to him I pulled my trousers down and uh, he leant off one side of the Eiger and I leant off the other side <laughs> of the Eiger and uh, and did my business there but um, unfortunately for him the wind was blowing in the wrong direction that day and which uh, <laughs> is uh, yeah it's pretty unfortunate but you know there's not a lot I could do about it <laughs> and after that everything else is really quite simple isn't it yeah it is yeah. <laughs> So here we are in our little tent with the pink fairy lights um, decorating it, because why not? Oh, it's time to go to sleep, isn't it, really? I, I think we should attempt to go to sleep. Excellent. It's quite a snug tent, isn't it? Yeah. Should we have some more adventures tomorrow? Yes. OK. Night-night, Leslie. Night-night, Belinda. Wow, sunshine. Morning, morning. 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 When you woke up, what could you hear? Birds and a sheep and then the cuckoo. Yeah. Right, let's get the gear packed and the tent down. So we're about to leave our little camp here. Um, a reminder on those backpacking camping rules, of course, take all litter home, deal with any waste carefully and sensibly, and also basically respect the landscape and the people who make a living from it. We've had a good look around and you really wouldn't know we'd been here at all. How different is this from what I'd normally... What, I don't know what you'd normally be doing at 20 nine on a Saturday morning. Would you normally be walking along beside a, a river on Dartmoor with a rucksack on your back, I listening to the birds? 20 past nine on a weekday is just total stress. And sometimes it makes me want to pull my hair out. So is this a good antidote? Absolutely. Yes, I, uh, for me it's the only antidote really, doing something like this or going swimming. Swimming saves me. Coming to the end now, David, this, you know, this has been so fantastic. It's been really good fun, hasn't it? We're all grinning, it's brilliant, it's like nature's tonic. So if people haven't done this before, are there, I don't know, a top three get outside survival steps as it were? I think the first thing you need to do is make a decision that you want to go wild camping and set that as your target. Then you've got to do a bit of research, so look into the areas that you're going. Each area and national park, like I said, has its own bylaws on what you can and can't do, whether or not wild camping is permitted or, or where, where it is permitted. And again, whether or not you can set fires or you need certain types of stoves, those sorts of things. So definitely just do a bit of research on the internet, it's really easy to find. If you plan your packing list around the priorities of survival, so shelter, so the shelter has got to be appropriate for where you're intending to, to camp. And then you need to think about water, and that's either carrying enough water for the amount of time that you're going to be out, or you can camp near a water source, and then you need to think about how you might filter that water. And then food, whether that's dehydrated rations like we've been eating, if you're going out for a longer period of time, you can potentially go looking for food off the land. If you, if you can identify those sorts of things, there's lots of books. A good one that I use is Eat for Free. 
the last priority of survival which is rescue and that's um, that's just making sure that you've got appropriate provision with you should the worst happen that you've got a survival bag you've got a way of uh, calling for help leaving a plan of where you're going and understanding where your nearest road is that you'd have to go if you needed to uh, to leave suddenly and the numbers that you might want to call if you do all that you're guaranteed to have some some fun and it really is just on your doorstep so those are three great get outside survival steps as it were to get you on that path what's a good essential place for information there's a couple of things you can do certainly books are a great way to start the internet is clearly a great resource one that we will suggest you use is uh, the getoutside.uk website which has a lot of information about routes that you can do all over the UK and there are also some blog posts on there from the get outside champs about wild camping back through the gate back on bridge one night in the wilds later. How are you feeling? Tired. <laughs> <laughs> but also very pleased with myself and happy. You set yourself a challenge, which was I to, to walk and carry, and you surely have done carrying, that. Yes. I think the boulders were the most challenging for carrying things on your back. No, it was lovely. It was all lovely. And do you think, Leslie, you'll do this again? Yes, definitely. Are you glad you did it? Oh, yes. I knew I would be. I was very excited. So definitely do it again. And what's your next adventure? What are you off to later on today? Oh, I'm going to go for a swim in the dart. David, thank you so much. We have learned so much. And having people to show you stuff and to give you the confidence to do things is such a generous gift. So thank you for that. Oh, it's been a pleasure. What's your next big adventure? Well, I've got a couple of plans in the future but no money to support them at the moment <laughs> so, oh, uh, that's so familiar yeah so I, I actually don't have any firm plans to go away i just want to concentrate on great britain actually for for the next year 18 months first and foremost to save a little bit of money and uh, and secondly because this uh, country has so much to offer as well and uh, i haven't seen it all yet um, and i won't do by the end of the next year or 18 months but it'll be really nice to see as much of it as i can That was Get Outside, the survival edition, brought to you by Ordnance Survey. Huge thanks to our guide, adventurer, mountaineer and Get Outside champion David Love, and also to Leslie, a wild camping newbie who we think may well be back. This podcast was recorded and edited by me, Belinda Dixon. For more on responsible wild camping and a wealth of other outdoors inspiration and information, head to getoutside.uk.